Hello everyone and welcome to Joyous Conversations Christmas Special And today I have a very special guest with me uh, For us to talk about a fun Christmas song and various things that you guys don't know My guest today is Danny Scott Danny, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone Joyful, joyful, joy, we adore thee Honestly, that should be our theme too Hi guys <laughs> Oh yeah, we're going to get that now as a theme song Yeah, what he's failed to mention is that I am a little bit tipsy right now <laughs> uh, Hi, yeah, so I'm Danny Scott um, uh, Me and Joy know each other from our reviews and stuff Yes, because we both um, review video games Which if we taught our younger selves, they'll be losing their minds on <laughs> What, you mean I have to sit in the office? Oh, come on, man you <laughs> But you get to review video games. It's fun, you know. It's just yeah. <laughs> I, I get to do that, and I get to review music. It's 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 fine. And, you know, I've been stuck in our new house since April, and I am slowly losing my mind. Oh yeah, no, m- most people are like I'm lucky enough that I go to the office uh, twice a week, so I at least get out of the house. But yeah, for most people, it's been painful. I try to, but I think I've forgotten how to socialize with people. I think it was when I was a teenager. My friends taught me. Um, to have a social filter i've never really had one and then you know because for lack of socializing with people that's kind of disappeared so if i ever do get back into the wild as it were i'm just going to approach some random and say hi would you like a pineapple (laughs) maybe that's how we become friends i mean it's essentially how i did my last one me and my best friend have known each other 14 years and i think he, he just turned up randomly in my life so i thought maybe this is how people make friends and, you know, so far, that's how it's gone. And I'm now 30, so I'm doing well, folks. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is magical. So um, as we know that it's the festive uh, seasons, how is um, everything going with you getting ready for Christmas? Honestly, it's been one of the smoothest Christmases ever, and I don't know how I dare say that. I've, I've heard nightmare stories about people with their shopping and everything, but here we are, we've just – I think I've ordered everything off of Amazon – sponsor um <laughs> you know they've everything's just turned up i've got everything i need we finished our shopping early um i don't have anything to do like the, the trees are up the dog's got all his treats it's just fine just <laughs> you guessed if there was anything wrong you're just okay yeah it's another great christmas granted i've been robbed of the snow it snowed here in chesterfield for the first time the other i think it was last week and I, I looked up in the sky. I was, you know, gleeful and hopeful that yes, maybe this is going to be it. And was it heckers like? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's good there, man. Like with me, I'm mostly ready. Um, just need to do a bit of food shopping. Well, extra food shopping on Wednesday, and then also alcohol shopping. But yeah, mostly ready and mostly raring to go. Oh, if you need alcohol, we've got plenty here. I've made my own gin and vodka. There's just we had when we moved in. There was loads of raspberries and rhubarb on the garden, so we're stocks. <laughs> I don't need to buy alcohol ever again. <laughs> um, I will send you my address. Just send it by mail. I'll happily pay for the postage and packaging with a little bow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So as we said, we are doing a Christmas special, right? And I had thought a while ago to do Christmas specials for the season. And since it's related to music, I thought about doing, well, Christmas songs or Christmas number ones, because the more that I've researched certain things, it's just wild. Like you saw my status earlier, Mariah Carey does not have a Christmas number one. Like how on earth does that work? I don't know. Maybe perhaps people have taste. 
Hey, I like that song, okay? Leave it alone. Oh, it has oh, a big yeah. lasting legacy. I don't know if it ever was, but when I was a kid, it was always Wizard. I loved hearing that song. It was brilliant. It was just singing you know, down to streaks. I mean, I only lived around the corner from us when it was snowing. You know, back in the days when it actually snowed on time. I'm not yeah. bitter. I'm just bitter. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think for you as Mar- Mariah Carey, for me, Wizard, I loved that song. Still do, granted. But I think um, if you want to go more modern songs, there's one artist that I love. is a comedian also. Um, is incredibly talented pianist and singer. It's Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin, yeah. And that's, of course, White Wine in the Sun. That, for me, I've listened to it every year since I've you know, heard it when it first came out. And it's been playing ever since. I need to listen to that because I haven't listened to it myself. Oh, oh, dude! Oh, we, we're gonna have to teach you the way. <laughs> no, like I, I have a Christmas Eve Discord. I'm gonna post it on, um, on my Facebook because this is gonna go out on Wednesday anyway, like uh, the day before Christmas Eve, so people can join. If you have me on Facebook, I'll also post it on the Twitter page that I'm gonna be putting up soon at various places. Please but like yeah, and subscribe, folks. Please like and subscribe and share, folks. We need it. So. As I said, we're talking about Christmas songs, and today's Christmas song is Do They Know It's Christmas. So, Danny, what do you know about this song? <laughs> uh, I know it exists. I think it was, was it Bob Geldof that did it? Yes, uh, Bob Geldof and uh, there's somebody else's name I forget. Midjure. There we go. Uh, Bob Geldof and Midjure, who are the main um, people who ended up getting the song done, and this is actually a good way for me to start to explain how the song came to be. So, the song itself it, it has a very interesting history behind it. So, it all started uh, when Bob Geldof was uh, in this. The song came out in 1984, in essence, and it came about because Bob Geldof he ended up seeing a BBC program that was reporting on the famine in Ethiopia. And so, when he ended up seeing this program, he ended up basically getting on the phone to Midjur and saying that this is just terrible. We need to do something about this and we need to, well, see how we can help. And he then, in essence, ended up rounding all of his other mates to get it all done. And as a logistical um, endeavor, I would say that it's quite amazing that they managed to get it done in such a time because um, the report that Bob Geldof saw came out on the 23rd of October. And on the 25th of November, that's when they actually did the whole recording and they managed to get everyone in. They had the whole studio booked for like uh, most of the day and they managed to get everyone in and they managed to get it all rolling. So in that regard, uh, because we both know what it's like trying to get musicians at times to do things and just scheduling things. It can be a nightmare. So I'm like, logistically, that's actually impressive, guys. It's like herding ferrets on cocaine. Yes, exactly that. I've done it before. (laughs) It is an accurate description, I think. Yeah. And so when they ended up getting it through, um, the reports that I was able to find are a bit tricky as to how much money they ended up raising from the actual record itself. Uh, some of them say that they managed to raise about $23 million. But it ended up um, basically causing a whole cascade of other similar events to end up happening where you ended up having, well, the actual band-aids itself, but then you ended up, uh, do they know it's Christmas, but you ended up having in America, uh, We Are The World, that was kind of the same, and I think it was um, heralded by Quincy Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And 
after that ended up happening, they ended up having band aid um, concerts that ended up happening, one in London and the one that happened in Philadelphia. At the end of all of this, there was a culminative 100 million US dollars that had been raised for charity, which the goal was there, but then it becomes a bit interesting afterwards, but we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, so it becomes this big phenomenon. It gets the Christmas number one in the UK. Funnily enough, it ended up bumping off um, Wham's last Christmas. So Wham would have won the Christmas number one if it hadn't been for this. I think, I think, what was it? Because you told we we did this. This is a very impromptu podcast for me because I wasn't originally lined up to do this with it's you. Okay. Yeah. So I, I figured, you know, if this is QI and you're a better looking Stephen Fry and I'm, well, essentially Alan Davis anyway, <laughs> I find something just a little bit interesting to say just so I don't, sound like the natural blonde that I actually am. And the, the one person, I don't know if you picked up on this, and if you did, I'm sorry if this is supposed to come later, but Morrissey, okay. Morrissey didn't like it. He called it diabolical and said it was the most self-righteous platform ever in the history of popular music. If I should mention that, Morrissey was critical, but so was Chumbawamba. Before they came up with Top Thumping, because most people forget that Chumbawamba are in essence an anarchist band that just made a very popular song, because that band's history is one of the wildest things ever. And it's so fun to say as well, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. But yeah, they, they were critics of it, but at the moment it had this big swelling of, you know, just... People getting involved, people getting into giving them giving money and everything else. But the song itself has now basically got a weird taste for a lot of people because of the lyrics themselves. I mean, have you ever looked at the lyrics beforehand? Uh, not on paper, no. Just oh. them on the radio, uh, mandatorily, when you're in the car with your mum and you've got no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> mate it's it's it, it, like for myself as somebody who grew up in zimbabwe which is part of africa i find it weird the things that they say in the in the actual song itself mm. so um a part that i always um have a gripe with um is um the implication that they do not know it's christmas time in africa because most of africa it's mainly former european colonies so most people, including Ethiopia, which accepted Christianity in the first century, they already knew that it was Christmas because the religion was foisted upon us. So, you know. <laughs> you have a flag. No. Do you have Christmas? No. Well, guess what? You have them now. You have them now. You now have these things. On behalf of the British Empire. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's also cricket. Because you're not bored enough as it is. Funnily enough, Zimbabwe used to have a cracking cricket team. I had to watch so many matches. It was just, uh, that game is so slow. That game is so slow. But yeah, it, 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 the, the whole song itself has a tinge of just condescension for a lot of people, including people who are of African descent and or, or grew up there or people in this country, because you have lines that end up saying, do they know it's Christmas time at all? Which I just, you know, like, Really? And then there is another line. I'm actually looking at the lyrics right now, so uh, I'm just looking at it. And um, there's the one where it says, uh, where the only water flowing is the bitter uh, sting of tears. It's like, wow. Okay, so we we have actual rivers in Africa, but... (laughs) It's very, very cliche. It's very dramatic. It's, oh, these people know not what they do. Please, let's help them out. 
yeah, I, I, I'm right with you there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, no, um, there is this big river called the Nile that people end up mentioning at times. Mm, I've Last heard time I it was in Africa. I'm, I'm not sure. Yes, Nile. Yes. Denial. Yes, I know denial. I've I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the oh. of grief. Oh, good old denial. Um, and then there is another one, which is always funny because of the double meanings of it. Um, the one that says, um, "And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time." which is just weird because like the continent of Africa is in the Southern hemisphere. So it doesn't really normally snow there anytime to begin with be, it would be summertime. So that would be like asking if there's going to be snow in the UK during summertime, which <laughs> there usually is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then there are places in Africa that have snow every year, like, well, Kilimanjaro, but it's small places. So it's like, I, I just get annoyed because my analytic brain is like, yeah, th this is just not good. And I know that Bob Geldof has already said that apparently it's a pop song, not a doctoral thesis. We should not be looking into it this deep. But I, as a person who likes music and tries to write music at times, have issues when things are not written the best way that they can. An Irishman says it's a pop song. Oh, there's a cliche there. <laughs> <laughs> But the most egregious line for a lot of people, which then ends up, you know, <clears throat> yeah, is when Bono ends up saying, uh, well, tonight, then God, it's them instead of you. Keep it there. <laughs> yeah, so, it, 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 yeah, it, because it's just like, we're, we're talking about people in a famine, and you should be grateful that it's them in a famine and not you. It's like, dude, what the hell? That. What 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 what? I think you know if if you try and look at it because I I try and I, I'm always sat on the fence because I yeah I'm, I think I'm, we're similar is because we have to analyze things and because I I write I have to see every angle that I possibly can. But his premise on this is, you know, look at your life, look how well you're having it, and now look at what they have. You've got it so well, then you should help out these people. I think that's what he was supposed to be going for. Uh, but when you kind of delve into it a little bit more, when you look at it or listen to it more, you're kind of going, oh, look at these other people, or look what they don't have. Look what we have. We have so much. Yeah, it, it, it kind of has some very questionable undertones, especially given, well, the history of empire and Africa and everything else. It, 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 it conjures up a lot of questionable things for a lot of people. And the, the song has been called up by a lot of people for being condescending and having some, well, as some people would say, some white saviorist elements to it, because it seems as if it's just people saying that, oh, this is so bad and I want to help. And it's it's understandable that people did it for charity and I'm not trying to bemoan the aim that they had, but they could have, well, maybe execute elements of the song itself better. Uh, the actual execution of the charity, we're going to be touching on a, a bit later slash soon. And oh boy, that, that that is an interesting part. But yeah, and it's just it's just the fact that they, they haven't tried to, you know, say maybe we should have changed a few things here and there. But they tried, they tried. I mean, it, it is also questionable that the album cover kind of shows if... From what I saw, and I'm pretty sure, I'm just Googling right now, but I'm pretty sure that the album cover shows an emaciated African woman who's malnourished, which, you know, 
just shock value. That's all it is. Shock value. Yeah. No, it's 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 being called into question about how just things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 there at the front. Yeah. No, it, it's on the album cover. I'm looking at it right now. It's toys all around, and then there's these like starving African children just in the in the middle ground. It's just like yeah, and. And it brings up to 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 question the whole idea about how the media portrays Africa, because for most people, what they see in popular media is what they end up thinking about as African. So it was the essence about how when I first started living in this country, <laughs> oh, you're going to love this one. When I started first living in this country, I would get people who would actually approach me at school and ask me, so do you live in mud huts? Yeah, I've, there was a lad at school, uh, my se- the second secondary school I went to, um, I think his name was Kenji, and they always asked him the same thing. It was usually, yeah, along the lines of, did you live in a mud hut or, you know, all those kind of questions. I think when you're at school, it's it's supposed to be, it's, it's got to be innocent in the sense, you know, you, you don't know anything about a person, so you always ask the most, um, I don't know, is the right word, severe of questions. You know, is is this true? Because you're the most direct uh, person for that information that they would have at the time. But at the same point, from the other perspective, I can't imagine how that would feel. But yeah, no, because when I was growing up in Zimbabwe, we had a fish tank in our house. <laughs> so somebody's like the mud. It's like yes, no, you can get electricity in a fish tank in the mud hut. Yeah, defo fam, defo defin. No, 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 no. But it's. <laughs> Is a perpetuation of a lot of ideas and images that end up being pushed by the agendas of, well, people who are trying to be well-meaning, but the only way that they can get to such things is by utilizing, well, shock value and trying to pull out the heartstrings, but it Mm. further reinforces a negative picture that people have of Africa, which doesn't end up helping in the long run. Yeah, because all you think about when you see that is, okay, so Africa's poor, um, they 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 clearly can't get by by themselves. Everyone else has got to help them. Yeah, you know, I'm, if you know people are suffering, there are charities available that do genuinely help them. You know, this you know, with uh, medicines and everything like that's fantastic. But at the same point, you've got to kind of represent correctly what's happening. Not that this is a, a third world country. I really hate that term as well. Third world. Oh country. yeah, it has a lot of Cold War connotations and other things as well. <laughs> So, you know, fair enough. Some people don't have access to a lot of things, and that's in every country. You know, there's people starving on the streets. New York is currently in the blizzard uh, right now. There are people living on the streets who will die, ultimately will die. And, you know, you've got that. You've got all those things that are closer to home. But when you're brought into perspective of another country that's presented in a sense that, okay, they're suffering more, then you look at your own homeland, as it were, thinking, okay, it must be fine here then. And it just presents that kind of arrogance and condescension that I don't Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that, that is true. And you, you, uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned a place like New York. There is A good example is Flint, Michigan in America, where their water supply is still quite um, well messed up because they've been having water issues for the longest time and it's mm. not been rectified. And you have, even here, we, we're now at the point in the UK where children are being fed by UNICEF because things are that bad. But people end up thinking that, you know, at least it's not as bad as there, or, you know, they just think, oh, it's really bad there. But the whole 
way that people end up, you know, just having Africa placed as a monolithic view where they think of the whole continent as similar instead of looking at the continent. Like you look at Europe, it's a continent. It's made up of a lot of different countries. It's some of, it's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, someone is saying it's the size of two Americas. And it's, it's a it's a country where yes there are it's a, it's a continent sorry it's a continent where yes there's some countries that are in strife and war but then you have countries like Botswana which basically owns a percentage of De Beers my mining company yeah they they have shares in actual De Beers diamonds so yeah that that's also a thing but that information is not fully filtered through at times and I just hate the song because it just keeps on perpetuating all of this. But I think that I'm just getting on to hate the song a lot more and I should be moving on to other things about the song. Would you say it perpetuates a stereotype? Would you agree on that one? What? Would you agree it perpetuates a stereotype? Is that oh, definitely. Agree? Yeah. No, I, I, I would because um, it's it, it's just the way that it... Whenever it comes up, people end up being remembered. That, oh, remember when we tried to help Ethiopia, um, you know, when they were dealing with the famine, even though the work done did not end up actually alleviating the famine and we'll touch on that soon. And Ethiopia ended up coming by by itself through very admirable means. There's still issues, but they managed to actually manage the way through through everything else by themselves, which is a more admirable thing. Because when people keep on seeing such things, it keeps on making them think that Africa is not able to well sustain itself and actually look after itself when Whenever I have visited Zimbabwe and whenever I have family members and friends who have visited other African countries, they come back with to me with interesting information about just the marvels of things that are happening. Uh, a good example is how right now, um, well, I think it's still the same, but the last time that I was in Zimbabwe, everyone is actually using virtual currency as a form of payment. So cash is there, but it's not like actual crypto-like wallets that you have on your phone. Like Bitcoin kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like Bitcoin, but through your phone. So like, let's say you have an O2 phone, right? Um, I can actually send you money and then you spend the money through your O2 SIM, SIM line. Oh, thanks. Um, 50 quid I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's stuff like that. And it's it's interesting how all of these innovations are happening, but they're not really that much shared because of a lot of things in society that we don't have time to actually go into right now because this is a Christmas special and we're looking at the song instead of me trying to make right the wrongs in the world. And since it's Christmas, you can only be slightly miserable unless you're an absolute or a Grinch, in which case I love and respect you. You're beautifully human. I try my best. I try my best. <laughs> so um, I've already touched upon the um, philanthropic legacy of the song and now I'm going to go more into it. So um, as I previously stated, what happened with the song was that once they managed to raise the money, it's debatable. Some people say that at some point it was a hundred million. Um, that's the m- amount that I have. And for everyone listening, I have my sources that I ended up getting. One of them was from um, Spin Magazine, and then the other one was uh, from Mental Force. But most of my information I ended up getting, well, partially from The Guardian and also from... Prospect Magazine, which I ended up fact-checking to see what type of um, rating that they have. They're highly rated as a magazine for the amount of work that they do. They're slightly left-leaning, but they have been known to do amazing investigative work and also fact-checking. So these are the people that I ended up mainly using for this portion. Because for a song that has so much um, 
reverence in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people tend to then just, a lot of people think money was raised, but no one ever asks the second question, what happened to the money? Do you know what happened, Danny, by any chance? I think, you know, I'm going to correct you there, because I think the biggest thing I've heard about charities from, you know, people from the general public, you know, when you're out and about, or family, friends, friends of friends, etc., the only thing that they say about when it comes to charities, I want to know where my money's going. We donated this, there was so much, so where's that gone? And I think as as far as, you know, we were talking a moment ago about the media, is there are people that need help, so show us more about where this money is going. There was a thing, and I'd, I'd love to be able to bring it up because I can't remember where it came from, showing the wages of the CEOs of these charities. And they, granted, they have a job to do. Let's not steer away from that. They, they're doing a job. Fair enough, they have to get paid for it. But the, the amount that they're getting paid to do said job is a ridiculous amount in comparison to how much needs to go out to the people that actually need it. Yeah, that's true. And it is such a shame, isn't it, that you basically end up having like a lot of charities that end up having overheads that end up stacking up and the money just ends up disappearing from a lot of places. With with Band-Aid, on the other hand, though, from what I could tell, because I also ended up checking on their company's house and everything else, um, the money itself ends up going to Band-Aid Trust, which is a trust well that... Major and Bob Geldof and some other people are the trustees, and it seems that the money did not end up going to them because, well, they are wealthy musicians. They didn't really need the money. It ended up going towards the actual, well, aim that they had of helping the people in Ethiopia with the famine. The problem that ended up happening, though, and this is a problem that happens with a lot of charities. Um, I spoke to my brother who ended up, when I told him about this, he's like, Joy, make sure that you speak about both sides to be very objective. <laughs> yeah it was like because i think i was just a bit too harsh as i am at times like just be more objective joy it's like fine i will be so the, <laughs> the problem that ended up happening with the money well with, with the funds that were um, given to band-aid which happened to a lot of charities i need to just keep on re-emphasizing this <laughs> they were going to the actual nuances of charity work in conflict zones um the problem was that they gave the money to uh, the government in charge because a lot of times even if you're trying to give aid into a conflict zone you're not able to actually do it unless you're working with the people in charge because they outlaw any other ngos medical sun frontiers who are another uh, like doctors of our borders in essence uh, who are another organization that were in there they refused to well uh, play ball with the um ruling government by mingisto because they rightfully say that he was responsible for the famine because he was initiating policies that were displacing people and getting rid of people's farming lands. So he was, in essence, responsible for the famine itself that had happened. It had been a man-made famine. Ethiopia has apparently had a long history of famines happening at times, but this was one of the worst because two contributing factors were man-made and the person in charge was the main responsible party. But the problem ended up being that for the money and the aid to end up going to the people in the country, Band-Aid and other charities had to work with the government, which unfortunately, it might be hubris, it might be a lack of understanding how things work, or it might be just a certain way of thinking that we need to go for our goal of helping people and not thinking about the actual nuances of things. They ended up, as some would argue, actually helping men just to stay in power longer. 
Because what ended up happening is that um, I'll give you like a condensed version. This is will be all all in the uh, links that I'll have on the actual episode description. Um, there was a civil war that was happening between Mengistos um, people and also uh, the Eritreans and the Tigranes. And what was happening is that when the aid ended up coming, Mengisto ended up just giving all of the aid to the people in areas that he controlled meaning that the rebels would effectively starve because they didn't have any food. And then he ended up forcing people to say that if you want the food, you need to move from where you are to the places that I control. Over a specific period of time, which I think is uh, from 1983 to 1985, 600,000 people were displaced to move into Mengisto um, territories. And during that displacement, it is argued that 100,000 people died. So it ends up being the arguable question about <clears throat> when it comes to things like charity work, though you have a goal, how you undertake it can be a bit tricky and you need to be mindful of all of the nuances that come into hand when these things are happening, which unfortunately ended up being the case here. And yeah, I think I accidentally muted you as well. No, it just mutes you as well. Oh, I'll get you know, it. Back. No, I'm still here. I'm just I'm kind of wrapped in what you're saying. I didn't want to. Okay, interrupt. <laughs> I thought I muted you. That's why I was like, did I mute him? <laughs> no, it was so poignant. I actually stopped thinking and just listening. It was, it was wonderful. <laughs> Sorry about that. So I'll actually keep that part because it's like no, it's not technical f- issues. I just ended up just speaking about things, and then Danny was just so transparent. Like I'm just gonna mute and just listen. <laughs> a big bearded blonde guy with big wide blue eyes, thinking, "Oh, this man's gonna lead us to a new world." <laughs> no, but it's just it is again. um it is again, as some people have called it, it's the questioning of people who have good intentions but not knowing what they're doing because some people that's the reason why the phrase white saviorism ends up being there. It's not a critique on white people trying to help well other people of color and in other places. It's more the fact that charging in headfirst without knowing what you're doing can have disastrous effects that people might not over like see ahead of them. Exactly. You need to do your research, you need to know what you're doing, who you need to speak to. Yeah, you're right. Going back to what you were saying briefly, you you can basically blame a state of a country on its leader, and I think you know we all around the world know that about now, especially in our particular country currently. <laughs> oh there's a, yeah, there's a certain thing going off. We don't need to waste our time talking about it because BBC does that more than well. Yeah, but it's it's the same thing. You don't we don't know exactly what goes into a, you know running a charity, how their work goes about. We just know if we give money this will happen. It's an A and B cycle, at which point it's actually A to Z. There's a lot of subtle things in between that they have to do to do it. Yeah. No, and I, 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 ended, up, I ended up coming up with the idea that, and I had to go with this, which some people seem to agree with on the internet, that when it comes to charity work, it has to be looked at as a foreign policy agenda. Because, and, and I'm not just saying that in terms of governments giving, well, aid, because... Uh, the UK used to give aid, but then that's now in question. And America as well, and other countries, they give aid. But it's more the fact that even the actual charitable organizations themselves, they need to be aware of how they're approaching things. Because when you end up going to a lot of countries in places like Africa, Latin America, Asia as well, there is a lot of history that is 
intermingled with not only the countries where the aid is coming from, but their neighbors themselves and how things have been shaped over 50 years, 100 years, due to the changes in just geological power uh, and then just socioeconomic conditions and a lot of other things that you need to factor into that. I would say if you work in a charity, and this is just me throwing out a very random request to people, if somebody's working in a charity, just ask them, how much do you know about the geopolitical region that you're going into? Just, you know. Yeah, no, good. I like that. Details. What exactly do you know? Uh, what complications are there? Uh, have you struggled in any particular area? You know, just you know, the real details that folks want to actually know. Yeah, because for you to enact change, you need to be smiling and happy. Yeah, because yeah. uh, granted, that's the goal. But currently, what's 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 going off? Let us know in the yeah, comment but- section. <laughs> True, but no, th- th- that is the thing. However, um, as we've covered, um, the actual inaction of the charity work. Well, it it should also be noted, even though I've been ragging on what they did. Some people have also said that. The work done by Band-Aid, and, and they actually say Band-Aid itself, the work done by Band-Aid might have actually helped um, reduce the starvation in Ethiopia by a third or maybe by a half. So I'm not saying that they didn't do any work. I, no. I am saying that, you know, they did no. help. That's solid. But there yeah. might have been some unforeseen circumstances that people did not really plan for, which were rather unfortunate due to how nuanced aid work is when it comes to conflict zones. But on the Good note, as I mentioned earlier, Ethiopia has now managed to actually come from what it used to be in the 1980s to something quite amazing. Um, if you have a look at the financial indexes, uh, be it IMF or World Bank, they both argue on this, but they say that Ethiopia is either the um, either first or the second um, fastest growing economy in the world. They've managed to actually bring themselves up with one of the highest raising GDPs in Africa. And they have basically managed to cement their uh, economy to such a place where they are now able to actually mitigate even what ended up happening in 1984, 83 to 85 with the famine itself. And the way that they did this is quite admirable, I would say. Like, one of the things that they did was that they ended up, well, having a ceasefire with the Eritreans, which ended up helping a lot of, well, issues with regards with, to the violence. But on top of that, they did something which I think a lot of other countries should do, which is they started making people-focused policies. They started putting in policies that help get people out of poverty, try to make focused, uh, policies that focus on infrastructure, as I say, bring people out of poverty, and also mitigating what might end up happening if another drought ends up happening so that there is no longer another famine. By focusing on people, they've managed to reduce the poverty and they've managed to actually increase the GDP because when you focus on people, you end up getting more people into jobs. That ends up helping with people spending money into the economy and that helps the economy rise. As we have noticed it with 2020 itself, the way that a lot of countries are working is not the best because they're not focusing on people as much as they should. And all it takes is a pandemic for things to change. But as we can see from Ethiopia, they've managed to bring themselves from a place where people had to make a charity start to try to help them. And though I can argue about how well that worked, I can accept that that was the state that they were in. That is what happened. But they've now managed to basically 
Ethiopia as itself, as a country, has managed to bring itself up and be a shining beacon to other people saying that we can do this. And if we can do this, so can you. And that is a nice place to, well, I think, end on for Christmas. Because 2020 has been kind of shit, people. Let's not lie to ourselves. It's been absolutely joyful. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's been difficult, but Ethiopia is just an example about, you know, what can happen when people are given the chance for them to actually work for themselves and work through things. I mean, I should also note that there are conflicts that are happening in Ethiopia before somebody brings that up. I know that there is a conflict that's happening with the Trigrayans, but that is a matter that is ongoing, but they've managed to go past it beforehand and I hope that they can make it through. But for me, I'm saying that for right now, the way that Ethiopia has managed to bring itself from what happened in 1980s to now is still an admirable story. And for me, I'm like, let that be the story that we take with us for Christmas in 2020. Things might be hard. Things might be difficult, but give it time and we can make it through. It might not be easy. It might take time, but we'll make it through and we'll come out the other end better than we were before. It's a real sense of community. If you band together, you can survive anything. That is true, man. That is true. And yeah, so uh, that has been our Christmas episode. (laughs) It's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Daddy, do you have any kind words to the people for Christmas then? Because this is going out on Wednesday, like the 23rd, so... People sure, can. why not? Why not? Bear in mind, I'm a little tipsy, so um, and I am. I do have a reputation to be nonsensical. Is is the same message you probably hear about anything? Uh, when Christmas comes, we are probably not going to see all our families. I know I'm not, but we have to look at the light at the end of the tunnel. By that, I don't mean shining a light in a dark alleyway, just running towards it and tripping over and falling on the faces. It's just look at everything that you have, enjoy it. Because by hopefully this time next year, we're all going to be sitting in a lot better place. I can only hope. Uh, we've had friends who've lost their weddings. I've had uh, friends who've lost their family members. We've all been in the same seats. It's just, let's just band together, like we've mentioned already, and through it we can survive anything. I believe that. That's true, man. That's true. And I echo Denny's sentiments as well. Um, and say that it's been hard, but we we can make it together. And <clears throat> I know that in the same boat with Danny, I have friends who've lost their jobs. I've had friends who've missed out on their weddings. And I've had friends who've unfortunately missed, uh, well, lost loved ones. And it's quite hard. But right now, what we can do is, especially at, during the holidays when it's going to be quite lonely for so many of us, is to try to be there for each other. I myself have well, set up, as I've said, the Discord. Um, I'll be posting it on my Facebook and various places uh, for Christmas Eve. If you're feeling lonely and you need just some people to speak to, feel free to join the Discord. We'll be starting at 7 p.m. Uh, basically, just listen to some Christmas music. Um, and yeah, so I'm hoping that you all have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, I will be, well, us at Joyous Conversations, we will be taking a Christmas break as well because we need rest and rest is good. And we will be back uh, the first week of January. Uh, So, yes, I want to thank everyone who's listened so far. It's going surprisingly well. And I look forward to seeing you all in 2021. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.